Welcome to our class called Hearing God's Voice Through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session one called A Real Relationship. And I want to let you know that in this class, we're going to be following the book that I wrote called Hearing God. And if you don't have a copy of this, you can get it at bendixon.org or igniteglobalministries.org. It's also on Amazon. You can pick up a copy. You can follow along in reading format. And you can, of course, watch these videos. I'm just going to be going through the chapters. Each session is the, is the corresponding chapter. Nine sessions, nine chapters in the book. And they're really a collection of messages that I've put together over the years of teaching this topic about hearing God's voice personally for ourselves. And there's another class that follows this one called The Prophetic Gift in Ministry, which is all about hearing God prophetically. But as we look at the topic of hearing the voice of God, I want to acknowledge right up front that this is something that people can find very controversial, especially uh, in the day and age in which we're living. We've got so much history to look at and see that there are a lot of people that said, I hear God or I heard God, God spoke to me, God gave me a dream of vision. And we find out later that God never did speak to them. And so it can be a touchy subject. And I want to acknowledge that up front because regardless of your background or where you come from, I want you to know that I've seen a lot of this. This isn't something I'm naive to. I realize that there's a reality to people saying one thing about God communicating with them and it not being God. But I think that when we look at scripture, what we find very clearly from the Bible is that God's always spoken to people. This is something that we've seen, you know, from the beginning. Jesus actually said in John chapter 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. And that word hear in some translations is listen. And so what he's saying is my sheep hear, I know them, which that word know is they're intimately acquainted with. It's not just they know about, but they're intimately acquainted with me and they follow me. So hear, know, and follow. And this is what we want to discover as followers of Christ. We're his sheep. We're his followers. Sheep follow. And that was a very uh, specific metaphor, if you will, that Jesus used about his followers. Sheep um, are followers. In fact, they need the shepherd in order to be uh, who they are and really do what they're supposed to do, to be protected and covered and cared for and nurtured. And so we see this. This is something we want to go after. And we want to build this on the foundation of knowing God's word. And you'll see this as the conversation begins to unfold, that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we believe that the Bible is the primary voice of God. But secondarily, we believe that the Holy Spirit who lives in us as those who follow Jesus and believe upon him, he lives in us and he speaks to us. He speaks to us according to what we know the Bible says. And they have two different purposes. The Bible is the foundation for all that God wants us to know in terms of who he is and who we are and salvation and our design and the earth. And it gives us a lot of understanding of our existence and the plan of salvation. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, he's not trying to give us another story or narrative that the Bible already gives to us. He actually, in the midst of that, speaks to us about the specifics. We understand the framework and the Holy Spirit gives us the specifics within that framework. And so you're going to be hearing me talk about God speaking and communicating, but I want you to know that we're on the foundation of Scripture and never would we ever communicate or believe for a second that God is saying something to us that would contradict the Bible in any way. We don't believe that. You're not going to hear that. We stand on the Word. We believe in the Word. We advocate to be a people of the Word. And so be sure of that as we continue to go through our session. Now, I want to say to you that as we look at 
session one, calling it a real relationship, to me, hearing the voice of God is all about knowing God. If your pursuit is not to know God, then hearing from Him becomes something other than what I believe God wants it to be. See, hearing from God is a privilege of relationship. It's not something that you earn from Him. It's something that He gives to you in the context of relationship. That's the, a, a real relationship, a good, a vibrant relationship has good communication. And this is what God wants to have with us. I, I believe that God is always speaking to us, but we're not always listening. And sometimes we're listening, but we're not able to discern. And, uh, and other times we're just, we're really in a season where we're not able to hear for ourselves. And I hope that we clear all that up, or at least a lot of that up, so that we can move forward in the greatest relationship that you and I could ever have. And this is what I believe the Father has shown us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, something that you see in Scripture, which is utterly clear, it's so clear, is that God has always communicated to people. He has always spoken to people. Seldom is God's voice an actual voice. He communicates in many ways, but this is a reality. And so when people are skeptical about God communicating, it seems to me that that's not a biblical approach at all. It's one thing to discern whether or not something's God, but it's another thing entirely to act like it's not possible. We stand on and believe, of course, that God throughout the scripture is, has communicated and does communicate uh, with us. And uh, I believe that we see this and we're going to continue uh, to look at it through every session and a little bit of a different vantage point as the sessions unfold. But I think we have to have first and foremost an understanding about relationship. That's what this is really all about. God wants to know you. God wants to know me. And in knowing him and pursuing knowing him, we will find his voice right then and right there. Again, when you pursue God, you or when you know that God communicates, you expect him to communicate. You desire for him to communicate. You're looking and you're pursuing for him to communicate to you. This is how it works. We were created for relationship. The first point I want to make with you is that we were created for relationship. We see this from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. It says, then God spoke and said, let there be light. And he created the heavens and the earth and the animals and the plant life. And last but not least, he created human beings. We know Adam and Eve in the Genesis story. And it's very important to see that God didn't just create us to be servants of his, although we serve him. He wanted something much more than that. He wanted to have sons and daughters. This is the greatest and the highest calling for every person that is a human being is to have this kind of relationship with God. And quite frankly, this kind of relationship, not just a relationship, but the kind of relationship should really blow our minds that God is our father and we're sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and every, and every plant yielding seed or everything, sorry, every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which, is, which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. See, we were made to be like God, 
in relationship with God. You'll notice these two words. God says, let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness. These are two different words. Image, uh, this word could be also likened in a modern way to the word icon. If you think about your computer, like a computer desktop, on your desktop you see the front, the, the page that comes up and you can have all of your files and there's these icons that basically represent some kind of software. So you have this software on your computer, whether it's Word or Excel or PowerPoint or whatever it is, and it's full and it's expansive and it's large. It's this large program that you have. And on your desktop, you have an icon that represents that software. And this is a very similar metaphor or word that we could use for understanding that we are creating in the image of God. God is full and huge and massive and expansive. And somehow we, we bear the image of God. We're an icon of this great, full, expansive, amazing, awesome God. In no way do we equate to him whatsoever, but there is something about us in the way that we were created that we actually are like him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? We are in his image. Now, the second word that's used there, let's make man in our own image according to our own likeness. Likeness is a word that represents nature, character, and virtue. And actually what you see here is that God created us, begin to walk with us and talk with us. So we, we, we are bearers of God's image, image bearers. But what he was doing from the beginning was shaping us into his likeness, which is nature, character, and virtue. See, we were created with a capacity, kind of like a hard drive, if you can imagine. So we're like a 500 gigabyte hard drive. We, we have the capacity to understand God. We have the capacity to receive. Like a hard drive, you can download a lot of things on it. And we had a blank hard drive when we were created, and God was walking with us and talking with us. And as he was doing that, what he said is what we knew. And that's why Jesus even says, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 4, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what he's saying is, is that life comes from God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God that's what man lives on, not bread, not, not something physical, but actually our life comes from someone spiritual who is God. And so we need his words. And you see that from the beginning that God would speak to us. And if he said this was a tree and that was a sky and, and this was the earth, whatever God said was like a download onto our hard drive, our, ability, our capacity to receive, that was truth. He said, this is that, that was truth to us. We didn't have like another opinion like we do today. We have many opinions. Well, I'm not sure about that. Or we have some kind of philosophy. That's not the way that it was. God spoke and that was truth. That's where our life came from. And it's kind of amazing to imagine how special we are because everything else in all of creation, God spoke and it was. God told the, the borders of the sea to be where they were, it says in Psalms, and they stop where God says they will. God spoke, it says in Psalms, and stars were hung as God spoke. He, he actually caused to be, by the word of his mouth, the universe, the earth, the sun, the moon, and all that we understand and all that we see and marvel at, God spoke, and all that he said, it yielded to the word of his mouth. But when God speaks to us, what's interesting about that is we get to react, we get to respond, we get to dialogue with God. So amazing. Everything else yields to his voice and does as he commands, but with us, he allows interaction and relationship. There is nothing else in all of creation that has this very same special privilege but us. And if that doesn't say something to you, it ought to. That ought to get down deep into our soul and say, we are significant, 
We are special, not because I think I am, not because I want to be, but because God created me to be that. I'm not random. There's an assault on the existence of humanity today, that we are random nothingness that sort of happened. That is absolutely not true. No matter what your origin is, you're not a random act of something that just happens to be. You are specific. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God intentionally designed humanity to exist. And whatever assault comes against us, it should be absolutely obliterated by the reality of Scripture that God spoke and said, let there be humanity. He created Adam in his image according to his likeness. He created Eve in his image according to his likeness. And so what you see from the beginning is that we were image bearers and then God walked with us so that we would be like him. Nature, character, and virtue is what we were to grow into. And you'll find that to be a very interesting part of the story as we continue because what we need to know, especially as we talk about this in relation to communication with God, it has to start with the fact that we were created to have relationship with Him. So certainly with relationship, communication is a part of that. But our relationship with God was damaged even from the beginning. The beginning part of Genesis in Genesis chapter 2, what God says to Adam and Eve is vital for us to understand the whole story and the picture of our relationship with God. It says this in Genesis 2, 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And what's interesting about this is God creates us for relationship. We're walking with him, we're talking with him. He puts a tree into the middle of the garden. We know that there's another tree called the tree of life and we'll mention that later, but there's a tree that he puts in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis 2.15 here, he says to Adam and Eve, you can have everything else, it's given to you to cultivate, but this tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat from this tree. If you do, the day you do, you will die. And what God did was he, in, he, he basically introduced a choice. This is a command of his to us, a command of abstinence to remain from touching and or eating from this tree. So in, in one sense, he gave us a command, but in another sense, he gave us a choice because we could freely take from that, which they, we find out that they did, but it's an interesting thing because true worship is to actually honor and adore God, to praise Him, and to, um, and to, and to sing of His goodness, but also to live uh, a life given to Him, before Him. But it's in the face of op uh, the ability to, to do the opposite. See, we did, before we had this choice, we just did whatever God said. But when we had this choice, he said, this is a tree you can't eat from, and the day you eat from it, you will die. All of a sudden now, our worship is to, when we say yes to God, we're saying no to this. And when we're saying no to this, we're saying yes to God. And it's a very interesting thing when you have this conversation of, of free will and our ability to choose something other than God. It was, it was introduced to us in Genesis chapter 2. And I think the name of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, is such an interesting name for us to consider. But in Genesis 3, we see how the devil comes, as usual, 
to, to tempt them from the beginning to disobey God. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this, the serpent, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Uh, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. What's interesting here is we see that the devil was allowed to interact with them and he was allowed to tempt them. And so that being said, what happens here is that he starts to confront the voice of God. They know the voice of God saying, you can have all this, but you can't eat from this tree. The enemy comes and he really always comes to do this. He comes to distort and to distract us from the true words of God. And he starts to negotiate with her. Did God really say this? And she says, yes, he did. And then he basically gives her a temptation. Well, he knows, the devil says he knows that the day you eat from this tree, you will, you will be like him knowing good and evil. But what's amazing about that is we were already created to be like him, but in relationship with him. So the temptation was that we would eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, disobey God, and then we would all of a sudden be like him without having to go through him. We would be like him without having to have a relationship with him. That really was the temptation that the devil gave to us because it's his temptation. The devil, we know the devil was tempted to want to be like God or greater than God without that being what he was created for. He couldn't stand to just be who he was, that he was a created angel and he was in the order of God to have a certain designation. And he rose above that in his pride to be like God or greater than God. And so, of course, he tempted us to do the same thing and to take on his very nature, is to try to be like God without relationship with God. But we were always created to be like him in relationship. The devil confronts the voice of God in our life. He did it from the beginning. He still does it today. Did God really say? Is this really what God said? Did you really hear this accurately? Did you hear this rightly? Did he really mean it that way? Don't you know that he's hiding something from you? Don't you know that he's lying to you? See, the liar tells you that the Lord is the liar. That's what happened to them. That's what happens to us. And we know that they listened to the devil's voice when they were made for God to hear and trust what God said. They listened to the devil, a stranger's voice. They yielded to him. And this is where our relationship with God was damaged. The fact that God told us we would die when we ate from the fruit, that's exactly what happened. The cycle of death set in from that very moment. The first kind of death was spiritual death. This is where we were separated in a sense from God, or at least what he had called us to and called us to live for. It really for a relationship with him. And so we see this and our relationship with him was damaged. But what's important for us in this conversation is that Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. Many things had transpired from the time of Adam and Eve falling. We call that the fall. When they fell, many things had happened. God instituted a way for man to 
connect with him temporarily. He creates the temple, the priests, and the sacrifices. This was a system that the people of Israel were to take up in being, staying connected to Yahweh God. This was a, a shadow of things that were to come. Many of these things just represented Jesus. And as Jesus would come, he would give his life. And so many of these things happened. And in time, God would implement a plan to ultimately restore us back to relationship with him. And there was only one way that that could be done. And that was for him to send his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus did two things. First, he came to restore our relationship with the Father and the second is to be an example of what a man or woman rightly related to the Father looked like. That there, was an, that there was a pattern for us. Jesus isn't just the payment for our sins. He's the pattern for our life. He is both of those. And this is what he came to do. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus says this at the end of an interaction that he has with a man named Zacchaeus who was despised in his community. He was an extorter. He was a money changer. He was a, or he, was a, he was a man who basically would take the taxes from the people, a chief tax collector. And as he was encountering this man and going to eat with him at his house, all the people that were seeing what Jesus was doing and associating with Zacchaeus were grumbling and complaining and confused. And Jesus basically says, as Zacchaeus repents from this encounter with Jesus, he repents from his sin Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And that's, this word, when we look at this, what was lost or damaged, this is what it, the word lost can mean. It can mean damage. What was damaged was our relationship with God. Jesus came to make right what was lost. He came to bring back what was lost. He came to restore what was damaged by giving his very own life. The word save here can also mean restore. And so this is how we can see this. When you think about what was lost, what did we lose in the fall in Genesis chapter 3? We lost our relationship with God. That's what we lost. We're still human. We're still born. We still live. We still exist. We still have our feet, our hands. But what the cycle of death actually did that God said would happen, the cycle of death would set in place. When you eat from this tree, you'll die. What that did was it caused us to be spiritually dead. And we needed somebody to make us spiritually alive. So the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, which, was, which is us. But it's, it's not just to save us, it's also to restore us back to what God had originally created us for. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He also says prior to this in Ephesians chapter 2 that you were dead in your sins and your transgressions, which is a definition of what God was saying in Genesis 2. You were dead. Spiritually, we are dead in our sins and our transgressions. But then he goes on to say in verse 13, but in Christ Jesus, those of us who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus shed his precious blood. He died uh, he died a death in our place. He took our place in death so that when we believe upon his death, burial, resurrection, we are restored back to relationship with God. He took on the penalty for our sins. He gave the payment. It wasn't to necessarily pay. God isn't some vengeful, angry, wrathful, bloodthirsty God. But the consequences, like God told us from the beginning, the wages of sin is death. He told us what was going to happen. This is, this is what was going to happen. And Jesus came to pay that price and to cover over our sins so that we could come back into relationship. But he says those, we would be brought near by the blood of Christ. How near? 
near enough to hear him, near enough to be close with him in relationship, to know him again, to hear from him again. Jesus said, my sheep, my sheep hear me. They hear my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them. I'm intimately acquainted with them and they follow me. This is how close that we can be with God again. It's not just some random thing. It's not just a religious thing. He's talking about a real relationship where communication can become normal again. Jesus gave his life for us to become near, for relationship to happen and to be vibrant again. God loves us so much that he spared no expense in sending his own son to secure this very relationship that we were made for. And I think it's important just to look at this kind of relationship. Throughout Scripture, it's not just we're people and He's God. I mean, He is God. He's great. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's massive. He's incomprehensible. He's all of that. But what's amazing and really blows our mind is that God came or God created us to be, He wanted to be our Father. This is the relationship that He wants to have with us. As we talk about relationship, I think we need to understand what kind he and Jesus introduces God as our father multiple times and he lived as a son to show us what that kind of relationship would look like. Look at the references. I just want to look at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says all of these things and instead of going, I would normally go into the teaching of it. I'm not trying to exegete all the passages, but I just want to show you something that Jesus said over and over and over again and it needs to be solidified in our thinking to understand this very dynamic that we're talking about, the kind of relationship that God is offering us through Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 says this, Jesus said, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but puts it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says, Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You keep hearing this over and over again. Your Father, your Father, your Father. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. This is also in Matthew chapter 6. We call this the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' disciples come to him in Luke 11.1 1 and say, Teach us to pray as John has taught his disciples. And Jesus says this to them, When you pray, the first thing you say, the, the way you approach God, he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he, before you can even pray, Jesus says, approach God as a father. That that's, it's, it's a relational thing at way before it's ever any kind of religious thing. It, it, it's, it really is important that we see God the right way because how we see God is how we approach God. If you see God as a loving Father, your approach to Him is so fundamentally different than if you see Him as somebody who's angry with you and He's ready to stomp on you the moment that you do something wrong. It, it's so important that you see God the right way. You, you interact with him differently. You talk to him differently. You listen to him differently. It sets the pace. It sets the trajectory for the kind of relationship that you're supposed to have with God. And I, I think that we need to kind of take a step back and, and think about how it is that this relationship is supposed to exist and, and the reality of it. It's not some ritual, but it's a, it's a reality. And, and sometimes as Christians, what can happen is we can get stuck in a rut and we can start living out of a religious structure or, or things that we do rather than the person that we know. 
And this is really important that we come back to the place that Jesus actually paid a price for. He, did, he didn't die so that we would have a religion. He, did, he didn't die so that we would just hide in buildings. He, he died to restore us to this vitality that we were made for, that every person longs for inside them. And Jesus goes on to teaching so many things about having a secret place. In Matthew chapter 6, he, he starts to talk about prayer and he says, he says, you know, when you pray, go into your secret place, go into a secret place and shut the door behind you and pray to your father who sees in secret and he will reward you openly. What Jesus is doing is, it's amazing because he says, pray to your father who sees in secret. There, there's something that we can have with the father that nobody else is invited into. This is what God wants with us. He wants us to know him and he wants to know us. Now, amazingly enough, we know that God is omniscient, which means he, is the he knows the past, present, and future of everything and everybody. And he does at the same time. He's, he's the, the kind of being that he is is incomprehensible. God is amazing. But what we've got to realize is that while God knows all the details of our life, he's read our biography, he's a part of our story, obviously all of that is true, he's God. But it doesn't mean that he's interacted with us personally. And this is where relationship is, is so important, even probably from God's perspective. Now I know we don't fully comprehend this, but God wants to interact with us. And just because he knows about us and he knows all the details of us doesn't mean that that equals interaction. He actually wants that with us. He wants to go past the biography and move into interaction. And he, and he makes it available to us through Jesus Christ. This is really what this whole thing is about. In fact, when you come to a church and maybe at the end of a sermon, a pastor might give an altar call. And one of the things that you'll hear, and I've heard this many times, is that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I almost went Southern southern on you. You can have a personal relationship, but this is something that you hear. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know for me, I'm just thinking out loud that I, there are a lot of people that I, that I know, acquaintances that I have, but I don't have a lot of personal relationships with people. I mean, I don't know people on a fundamentally personal level. So many people I do and most people I don't. So just think about that for a minute. You can have a personal relationship with God. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, sign me up. That's amazing. I don't think I understand that because he's, he's, he's God and, and I want that, but I don't understand that. And so sign me up. I, I want that. But figuring out how to do that takes the rest of my life. It takes the rest of your life. But you have to set the standard for this is actually what God wants. If you want to hear God, it's got to be about relationship spending time with him, knowing him, loving him, pursuing him. This is what it's all about. See, a lot of times what I end up hearing people say when they say, I really want to hear from God. Ben, I really want to hear from God. And, and, and you're the hearing God guy, right? No, I mean, <laughs> I wrote a book, doesn't make me an authority on much other than writing a book. But people say, I really want to hear from God. And I go, that's great. But what they're often saying is, I really want God to tell me what to do. I really want to know what God wants me to do. It's still related to doing. It's never, I really want to hear God tell me that he loves me, or I really want to hear God affirm me. I really want the Lord to just speak deeply into my heart and tell me that things are going to be okay. I really want the Lord to just talk to me about a verse in the Bible. It, it's, I mean, a lot of times when people say they want God to speak to them, 
they're usually at like a crossroads and they need to make a decision. And, and so really hearing God becomes all about obedience. Like I just want to know what God wants me to do so I can obey and feel like I'm in compliance to the man upstairs. And that is just such a small view of what it means to hear from God. Certainly we want to follow the will of God. Certainly we want to know what God has called us to do. A lot of that's just in the word, you know, it just really is fundamentally foundationally. But what we really need to realize, as we're going to talk about for several weeks, is that God wants so much more with us than just for us to obey some command, like some marching orders from heaven. He did not create us just to be good servants of his. In fact, I would argue that we're not good servants, that we are reluctant, that we are hesitant, that we can be lazy at times. Come on, somebody. We can be lazy at times. We can have apprehension. We can, we can negotiate whether or not it's God. He died knowing that we would be lazy, knowing that we would have struggles, knowing that we would be weak-willed at times because he's after something more than having a good soldier army, okay? He is after having sons and daughters, and he is committed to the process of helping you and I become more like his son Jesus, which ultimately at the end of the road, he knows and he is patiently waiting for the family that he is bringing together. Isn't that beautiful? The beautiful picture of Christianity is that it's about family. From the beginning to the end, from creation to redemption, it is about God the Father bringing together one family under him as our father and that together we will go into eternity living for him and loving one another and loving our father it's amazing so jesus comes to restore this relationship that god created us for we see this very very clearly a father directs us a father instructs us a father encourages us a father is one who instills identity into his sons and daughters. This is what God is doing with us, and this is how he wants to communicate with us. You can expect that. I wanna to talk to you a little bit about developing our relationship with God. And the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is repentance. I think this is actually very important, especially knowing that you and I, while we maybe didn't realize this, that we were born with a sinful nature and we were also born with a need to be reconnected to God. As I've told you, our relationship with him was damaged and Jesus came to restore it. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. When we believe upon him, we are born again. A spirit of God comes to live inside of us, making possible what previously was impossible. Relationship is now, is now part of our life with God. The spirit of God helps us, motivates us to live righteously and to live relationally with the Lord. But what's important to the conversation of hearing from God, both salvationally, but also relationally, is repentance. Jesus came preaching, and the first thing he said in his mission to restore us to relationship was repent. Listen to what he says in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is that God loved us so much that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this is what we were created for. I've said it several times. But what's important is that we have to repent from a self-willed life. In other words, when we fell in sin, 
We chose to walk away. We chose to go our own way instead of go the way that God told us. God spoke to us and said, don't do this. This is what you were created for. We did what he told us not to do, which means we listened to a stranger's voice. And now we listen to not only a stranger's voice, but also our own voice. And for us to hear the voice of the Lord, for us to live relationally with the Lord and to hear from him, we have to repent from listening to ourselves all the time. We have to repent from choosing our own way instead of his way. And that really is what repentance is all about. It's, it's to change the way that we think and to change the direction that we're walking in. We were walking in the direction of whatever we saw fit to do in our own eyes. But when we come to Christ, now we're saying, I'm going to let you be the leader of my life. I'm going to let you be the direction of my life. And what you say is what it is. It's no longer what I think. It's no longer what I want. It's no longer what I want to do. It's what you say. It's what you want. And repentance is that piece of humility that we bring to the table where we literally tell God, not just with our words, but also with our actions, where we say, God, you're the one that is leading me. You're the Lord of my life. You're the direction of my life. And I repent. And it's kind of like that hard drive that I told you about. It's that we've got... We We've filled up our hard drive. Our capacity is so full of so many things that in order for us to hear the voice of God, we've got to clean the hard drive. We've got to delete all the other stuff and say, here's a clean slate, Lord, download onto me, download into me whatever is truth, whatever you want. And that's where we, we come to the word of God. That's where we listen to the spirit of God. But we have to learn a way of repentance, an initial repentance unto salvation, but also a life of repentance where we're constantly recognizing our need to know what God is saying and to follow him, but also that when we acknowledge there are times in our relationship with God where we're walking the wrong way and we need to turn about and we need to go the way that the Lord's calling us to. And we have to have the humility available to acknowledge that is happening when it's happening. And the Lord will help us with that, but we have to learn how to repent. And repentance is such a gift to the person that is really seeking to follow the Lord. It has nothing to do with strong-arming us into some religion. It has nothing to do with guilting us into the narrow path. It has to do with a love relationship with God, whereby we've decided we're going to follow Him no matter what, no matter where that goes. Repentance is our friend. And we need to remember, we need to remember that, that we need to cleanse uh, the hard drive and give our hard drive back to God and say, whatever you say is what it is. Man, uh, we live not by bread, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second way in which we develop our relationship with the Lord and learn to hear from him uh, initially is, we, is renewal, renewing of our minds. Our minds are often twisted about God or ourselves, about others, and we need him to renew our minds. Our minds are renewed by the Word of God. Our, our, our minds are renewed by the Spirit of God. And they're also renewed by the people or the family of God. This is what discipleship really is. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God are the elements that cause us to have new minds and to think the way that God wants us to think. And I think it's so important. Um, how you see God determines how you approach God. Remember I said that. So your mindset on who God is and how God is is so important. If you see him as, as angry, you're going to approach him in fear and trembling and not the good kind of fear. Um, if you see him as sort of um, 
present but not really involved. In other words, God, you know, he, he's there but he's not really there in the details, then you're not going to invite him into the details and you're not going to consider um, a, there's the value of the, the details of your life, that God actually values everything about you. And it's important to know that he values the details, but how you think about him and how you see him matters. And it, it, it affects everything about your relationship with him. And I would even say it affects your coming to him to receive his voice. Lord, what are you saying to me? Um, it might even stop you from ever doing that at times. See, our, what we think about God determines how we approach God. I've already said that, but I think it's, it's so um, important that we uh, learn to have our minds renewed. When we hear God speak to us a word or, or just in the word, we must have our minds renewed to receive properly so that we are not missing what he has said or is saying. And the third is we need to learn to receive from God. It's imperative that we receive through him uh, or from him uh, from time with him. And this is without time, there's no way to receive from God properly. There just isn't. You, you can't receive from God relationally um, and communicatively where God would speak to you, where God would re reveal things to you without quality time. That really is how relationships are nurtured and developed. It's quality time. I don't have a good relationship with my wife just because she's my wife and we made a covenant uh, 14 years ago. Just because we made the covenant, just because we stood here and said, I do, does not make a relationship good. It means we have a relationship, but to nurture and to cultivate a relationship means that we need quality time together, that we need to talk and we need to listen. Spending time is vital in order to receive. And it's important that we receive. When we go to spend time um, with God, we've got to realize we've got nowhere to get to. It's, it's not, this relationship with God is not just about what we get out of him. Like he's a genie in a bottle. And if we just say the right thing or do the right thing that out pops the right response and results. Like God wants to have a legitimate relationship and speak to us and communicate to us. And it is multifaceted and receiving from him first comes through relationship. And it has to, it has to stay there. No matter where we're at as a Christian, I really encourage you to consider the kind of relationship that you have. Do you, do you call him father? Do you call him dad? Is that something that you do? Do you, do you see that as a religious thing? I realize that your background could be such that you can't conceive of that. In fact, in the first century, they didn't consider God their personal father. If, if there's any writings in the first century or even prior to that where they considered God father, it was more of a collective thing that they saw God as the father of a nation, but they never saw God the father of their life, of their, of, of their person. And that's, that's such a shift from what Jesus was teaching. Your father, your father, your father. He wasn't just saying it to Israel. He wasn't just saying it to a nation, to a people. He was saying it to people so that they could learn to receive that way. And we know that because the pattern that Jesus lived out was that he would talk to the father. He would say, when you pray, say, Father, you know, uh, he would say, approach God as a father. It's so important. So what I'm telling you is that repentance, renewal, and receiving, these are the things that help us to develop our relationship with God and obviously corresponding to receiving is quality time. I want to ask you a couple questions. You'll find these in the book, but I want to ask them to you right now. And I think it's important to answer these. And here's question number one. Is the relationship that you have with God truly personal? I think you need to write that out for yourself. 
and know where you're at so that you can develop from there? If so, what makes it personal? And if not, what is lacking? This is something I, I would encourage you to, to write out and to walk through. Number two, in your relationship with God, do you interact with him as your father? How would your relationship with God change if you perceive God as a good father? So if you don't perceive God as a good father, how would your relationship with him change if you did? And if you do see him as a good father, maybe write out a few things of what that looks like um, and how that could grow and strengthen. Question number three, do you believe the he that hearing from God is related to your relationship with him? And if so, how or not? Something you can even build on what I've said or how I've shared this with you. Number four, what encouraged you most about this session and how will you apply it to your life? What, what struck your heart in the midst of all that I've said? And even if you read the book, Hearing God, what strikes you the most as you approach the topic of hearing the voice of God? Where is your relationship with him? That's the question. And how can you strengthen that? Because ultimately when you do, you will hear from him. It's just inevitable outflow of building and developing your relationship with God. Well, let me pray for you uh, before we close. Father, I thank you for all of my friends who are taking this class. I pray, God, that you would bless and strengthen them. And I ask for all of us, Lord, that you would teach us and lead us into a deeper relationship with you. I pray that intimacy with you would not be something that we fear and it would not be something that we're too busy for. But I pray that it would be the drive and the desire of all of our lives. I pray, Father, even right now that you would begin to speak to us and open our minds and our hearts to know you better and to hear you more clearly. I pray that hearing from you would become normal in our lives. And as we continue to learn about hearing from you, that you would truly teach us and lead us to do just that. We love you, Lord, and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session together. Yeah.